Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. This show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some killer free ebooks as well as drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where you'll get the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, all that stuff that's more important than you might think. We've got boot camps running every single month here in California. Details at theartofcharm.com, and I'm looking forward to meeting all of you guys here at The Art of Charm. Enjoy. Today we're talking with my buddy Josh Ship. He's a motivational speaker and an author with an awesome story. He used to be an at-risk foster kid. He turned into a teen advocate. He had a TV series called Teen Trouble on A&E, and he's documenting his work with teens in crisis of all kinds. I mean, serious cases. He's also the author of The Teen's Guide to World Domination. But if you're an adult like me, there's a lot of value here as well from Josh. He's also been on Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30 list, and he helps adults understand teens and teens understand themselves. So there's a lot of value here. We're gonna talk about depression and criminal behavior, to successful entrepreneur, essentially the Josh Ship story. We're gonna talk about ditching your victim mentality, the importance of mentors and how to get them, and breaking things down to baby steps and when to get training and what kind in order to overcome personal hurdles or business hurdles or any kind of hurdles for that matter, and how to deal with critics and haters. Enjoy this one with Josh Ship. That's a funny Skype name. My last name is actually Ship in an attempt to hide myself from Mainly the people that are just sort of don't have those subtle social cues built into themselves yet. You feel like you can't ignore them because they're like, you're a jerk. You don't even care. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to be that person, of course. But I find a lot of the emails I get are people wanting to sort of offload responsibility of making some sort of decision in their life. Ah, that's interesting. And you can tell how scattered they are because they do have a one sentence question, but it's deeply buried in eight paragraphs of excuses that they say are, quote, context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll get a, a large email every hour of every day yes, yes. from somebody who's like, here's the thing. I don't need what you offer at The Art of Charm, but there's this one girl that I work with, and she is so different than every other girl in the whole world, and all the stuff that you teach won't really work on her because she's so different and here's why my situation is unique. And then he goes on to tell me about the same thing that every single other person in the world deals with in their life every single day. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we all like to think that we're some sort of special snowflake. Really, most of those problems and solutions are very, very similar. It's not even that it's so simple and they're so dumb or anything. It's just that they don't even realize that, like, hey, it's not your parents' fault that X, Y, Z. It's not yeah. your – it's not that – all your friends are lame and that's why girls don't like you guys. I mean, that has nothing to do with your level of success. Oh, you're too short to get girls? That must be hard. Let's talk to all these guys I know that are short that get women and have great jobs and run businesses and do whatever they want, exactly. regardless of their height or income level. 
we will ingrain a rationalization as a quote-unquote fact in our own universe. You know, we'll exactly. get a, I'll get guys that are like, the truth of the matter is I only make $35,000 a year and women don't like guys that make that much money. And I'm thinking to myself, man, how did all of these people reproduce who make that much money or less? I mean, exactly. they must just be falling into each other's genitalia somehow. Which I guess can happen, who knows. But it is most frustrating when someone hasn't even tried to implement any sort of strategy, not only you teach, but just they haven't tried any sort of tactic at all. And they're just still in that sort of overanalyzation. They haven't tried anything, and yet they're certain nothing will work. That's very much the case with a lot of folks. In fact, I'll get even angrier emails from guys that are like, maybe if you lowered your prices and you did a product that was specifically for XYZ imaginary situation that they think is really their stumbling block but has nothing to do with their level of success at all, then maybe I would buy it. And I'm thinking, well, the reason that we don't have that and the reason that the price is what it is is because I don't want you to buy it. We should be repelling people with that mindset you know, my mom didn't treat me right, and so now I don't have good relationships with women. Okay, cool. How's that working out for you? As you mentioned and alluded to about your podcast, it is interesting how, although vastly different you and I's industries are, how also very, very similar they are. Absolutely. And, you know, to sort of jump right into it, you've radically changed your life. Speaking of victim mindset, you had a choice with this, right? Yeah, I mean, I certainly did. I my mom was 17 when she got pregnant, gave birth to me, left me at the hospital. As a baby, I was sort of initially given this message from the world of don't trust anybody. You know, the people you're supposed to most trust, your mom and dad, just took off on you, so don't don't trust anybody. And sort of in and out of more than a dozen different foster homes and all of these things, and things were definitely dark and troubling for many, many years of my life. I was suicidal. I was raped as an eight-year-old boy by this older man who lived in the foster home. I became suicidal. As I mentioned, I went to jail as a teenager from all this acting out and sort of flailing about to try to, to figure out where I fit in the world. And to be honest, for you know that first probably 20 years of my life, I very much did live as a victim and in a victim mentality. And and the the truth of the matter was, is that, you know, maybe I was a victim when I was a baby. You know, there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, everything was completely out of my control. Right. But, you know, I believe that when we reach a certain age, and particularly because I work with young people, I would argue that age comes quite early. You know, certainly by the time you're 12, 13, 14, there are still many things you cannot control, but you can control how you respond if you choose to learn from it, you know, even if it's something idiotic that someone else does that you can't control, or it's something I find more often idiotic that we do to ourselves, that's our own damn fault and that we need to learn from. Okay, so you're born to these like really young parents. They obviously didn't have the ability to take care of you, at least in their own estimation. So they left you for adoption. How many foster homes? A dozen? Yeah, a dozen. And the why? The, the fact of the matter is they didn't give me up for adoption. The way I understand it, and some some of the facts are a little gray to me. So my mother got pregnant at her senior prom in sort of rural, very religious Oklahoma. And my understanding is when she found out she got pregnant, uh, her and the family sort of snuck away during this pregnancy. She gave birth unbeknownst to the man who is my father. 
And so when she gave birth to me, she just took off. Like she just gave birth and just sort of left from the hospital. Oh my gosh. Not saying, hey, I probably need to fill out some paperwork, but I'm not interested in keeping this baby or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm certainly glad that she gave birth to me. I'm certainly glad to be alive, but it was that sort of, I guess, emotionless, detached leaving me, which for many years I was certainly bitter towards her for doing that. And sometimes even in my relationship with my wife, I can notice some, you know, distrust simply because she's a woman, because I was sort of burned from my mom. You know, my dad, it's not like my dad said, I don't want you. It's almost like my dad never knew. Right. You know, but my mom, at, at least how I can piece it together, the story is that she intentionally said, nah, you know, I'm not interested in him. And of course, I know it was, you know, much bigger of an issue, you know, the having a kid at 17, you know, from understandably, you know, that might not be the right fit for her. But for so many years, I was sort of angry and very, very bitter at her for making that choice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can certainly understand her position being in a totally brainwashed religious type of situation where of she can't have an abortion, but she also can't have a baby because what will everyone think and no one will marry me and right. blah, blah, blah. And her family being crazily ashamed and then twisted into this position. And then she didn't want to fill out the paperwork because she literally wanted no trace of exactly. the whole thing because it was a giant screw up in her own life. Right. So when you were younger, it's obvious like you probably had no idea why you were so angry with people. You just were, quote unquote, a bad kid from a broken home, not, well, I have all these deep seated issues because I was abandoned as a child and then I had all these other issues. I mean, I didn't come to that latter perspective that you speak of until after genuinely, I'm not over exaggerating this at all, hundreds of hours of counseling in my late teens and then early 20s. And then at that point, I sort of arrived at this epiphany because as I was in the middle of that struggle, and many people I've worked with, both young and own age group, who were in the midst of some sort of struggle or really, really dark, tumultuous, personal challenge, you're often at a place where you think, I'm the only one who understands what's going on, and everyone else around me has lost their mind. They have no perspective. I mean, some of these foster homes that I would intentionally get myself kicked out of by being just an absolute imbecile and complete jerk and completely unappreciative, most of these foster parents were genuinely wonderful people. Not perfect, but genuinely wonderful people. And they would say things to me like, you know, you got to have perspective. You got to realize that you can turn things around. Uh, you got to realize you're choosing to make these sort of choices now. And, you know, all these sorts of things that were hard to hear, but were 100% true. I genuinely remember just feeling like they don't get it. They don't understand. They don't get it. I'm the only one that's right. I'm the only one that understands. I'm the only one that sees clearly and everyone else is blind when in reality, it was the uh, it was the exact opposite. Um, as a matter of fact, because I grew up in foster care, I did not go to a, a dentist or eye doctor in, until I was 14 years old. Oh, my goodness. When I moved in with my final set of foster parents. When I went to the eye doctor, it, it turned out, if I'm looking at something 10 feet away from me without my contacts in, it is very, very blurry to me. However, that is all I knew 
was that blurriness. And I thought that everyone else in the world could only see things that were, you know, a foot away from them or whatever. And I'll never, ever forget that day that I came home with a pair of contacts in my eyes and everything was so clear. I could see everything so clear. And I was like, what do you mean you can read a stop sign from 20 feet away? And what do you mean you can see the leaves on the tree and, and this sort of thing? But up until that point in my life, it wasn't that I was being an idiot and choosing not to know any better, although partially I was. I just did not know any better. I had never had anyone sort of take the time and say to me, dude, you have a vision problem. You have this issue. And it so much reminds me of that first time I had clarity. Right. I smell the metaphor coming in, man. Bring it home. I, and I know I'm a, you know, I'm a motivational speaker by trade. So I, right. you know, this is stereotypically what I'm supposed to do is say, you know, life hands you lemons, you make lemonade or whatever. Right. Starfish. That was my uncle. And ah, move the bus, move the bus. But it, without trying to force it, without trying to be too cheesy, it was genuinely like that. It became so clear to me why I was so angry, why I was so defiant, why I was so distrusting of anybody and everybody. But until you, I guess, get a look at clearly what's going on, you you have no perspective. And then once you have the perspective, if you choose to live blindly, it's your own fault and no one else's. That's great advice. But here's the problem, though. Yes. How can we make that choice if we don't see the choice? How do we start to look for that? I mean, if I'm sitting here and going, right. yeah, that's fine. I mean, you, that happened with you, but you don't get my specifically unique context. Right. Well, it, yeah, it's a great question because what if I had never gone to the eye doctor? What if I had never realized what was going on? Or what if I had never you know, had the luxury of the Department of Human Services paying for hundreds of hours of counseling so I could eventually arrive at that moment of clarity? I would argue that when you're really, really young, I think you, you know, you probably need someone to kind of help you arrive at that moment of clarity. Like I needed someone to say, huh, you've never been to the dentist or the eye doctor. We should probably get you in there. But I would argue when we are 15, 16, 17, 18 beyond, we have little signs from things going on in our life that are clues as to our emotional health as to how clearly we're seeing our own situation. And I think it's important for all of us to try to humble ourselves enough to the point where we go, man, this particular area of my life, I really, really seem to be struggling with. It really, really seems to drain me, wear me out. I really don't seem to be getting the results that I want, while other people seem to be getting those results that they want. What is going on there? Who can help give me perspective there? What can I read? What can I listen to that will help give me perspective there? I think when we're 15 and beyond, we all have that ability, and it's not always fun to do because it's bad for our egos, but to self-diagnose the crappy stuff in our life and try to have the courage to ask someone who knows what the hell's going on What's wrong with me here? What am I missing? What is this blind spot here? Because, you know, these other things are going well, but it's clear to me this is not. What am I missing? I think that's a courageous question all of us need to be willing to ask is what am I missing here? And then how can I go and, and try to work on bringing clarity to that area? Excellent. And so we really have to look at our own issues and think, okay, 
this is something, one, that I believe I can change, and two, yes. that I can influence the results that I'm getting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not only the, you know, the willingness to realize that it can change, but the courage to be willing to scan your life to identify those areas and then not saying, hmm, these three areas of my life suck, which, by the way, I believe every person on the planet has very likely three areas of their life that suck and that they could improve upon, myself included. I would argue I probably have a good dozen of those. So it's not that you're never going to have those. It's that when you identify those, are you willing to not only say, huh, this thing isn't as great as I'd like it to be. Well, that's too bad. Or it just must not be meant for me. Or "Mm, I'm not one of those few select Hollywood types or tall, dark, and handsome or smart, articulate, and brave or whatever. I guess it's not meant for me. But rather to say, I'm going to intentionally seek to improve this area of my life if I claim that it's important to me, if I claim that it's something that matters to me. Well, how do you bring people to this realization? Because it seems Hmm. like you've really got to look at yourself with a startling degree of maturity to think, I mean, I see adults doing this, not just kids too, right? So, you know, kids going, well, you know, my boss, he screwed this thing up and now I'm taking the rap for it. Or I was in a, I'm in a coaching class with a couple other people and one of them is 20. Everybody else is like 45 and then there's me in the middle this guy's 20 and the head coach gave us a link to a page that had an exercise on it mm-hmm. and it was dot games and it was supposed to be slash games. Everybody else figured it out and this 20-year-old kid was like, <laughs> I didn't do the assignment because the link was broken. And mm-hmm. I was like, I called him out on, on a group call and I said, dude, you're 20 years old, you grew up with the internet, you didn't know that it wasn't dot games, dot com <laughs> dot games, you didn't right. figure out that it was a slash when there's another guy in the call who's 60 who figured that out. He was like, well, you know, not everyone's great at the internet. I'm good at other stuff. And I sat him down and I was like, dude, listen, hmm. tell me honestly that you couldn't figure that out or that you didn't try. Which one is it? I'm in not, no place to get you in trouble. I can't do anything. But just tell me, were you able to figure this out or not? And, and he had to think about the fact. And then he finally was like, yeah, I just didn't try, and I'm leaning on that as right. an excuse. And I'm thinking, right. you know, this is a mature, functional 20-year-old kid who's got a really a, an actual job, which I told him, I'm like, if you do this with your employer, you're going to get canned, so I'm doing you a favor here. Because as an employer myself, if someone's like, oh, I didn't check th- this thing because I didn't know, I'd be like, well, then you don't belong here if you can't think critically about something so obvious, right? I mean, that sort of thing can be a trained behavior from our growing up. You know, my work is primarily focused on working with teenagers, parents, educators, these sorts of things. And, you know, so many times people want to sort of whine and complain about entitlement or laziness or these sorts of things. But entitlement is a learned behavior. It's not something that you're sort of born with. And so, you know, oftentimes perhaps to read in into this situation, and obviously I don't know this guy, but so many situations I've seen is that the moment something gets difficult, we shut down and stop. And yes, that is ultimately the buck stop stops with us. So ultimately, that is our responsibility. However, it does not help as well that in our growing up and in our development, we have been sort of bailed out of those difficult situations instead of, you know, well, instead of giving the responsibility back to that person. You need to figure it out. You need to figure it out. You know, yes, I want to see you succeed, but you need to want to see yourself succeed even more. Um, and I think so many 
you know, parents, adults, even mentors can make the, the, the loving, caring, but ultimately grave mistake of trying to fix that thing for them. You know, instead of being the coach who, who just stays on the sidelines and, you know, cheers from the sidelines, reviews, you know, game film afterwards, prepares the athlete prior, we can, sort of make the mistake of wanting to step onto the court, grab the ball and say, here, let me do it for you. And I think sometimes in people's behaviors like that, that's what you see. Because ultimately, if that assignment, if that thing mattered enough to that 20-year-old, I assure you that he would have figured it out. He would have done anything necessary to figure it out. But perhaps it was just simply that it it didn't matter that much to him. He didn't see the the deeper meaning and the deeper uh, reason behind why that exercise was important, but you're right, it's certainly a clue as to a weakness in himself is that, you know, if I was that 20-year-old, I'm going to, from that situation, I'm I'm going to assess this. Man, it seems like I am pretty gung-ho until I run up against that first sort of wall. And then I know my MO is going to be to stop. And so I need to have some sort of accountability structure in place that I am not allowed to pause or stop a task or a goal until I have failed, you know, 12 times. So at least I have tried to attack it 12 different ways. And in those 12 different ways, each time I got the same result. And then maybe I need to take it to someone who knows me and says, and then maybe indeed it is not for me. Maybe playing in the NBA or whatever the insane situation is, is not for me, but I've, but I've at least tried to attack it in 12 different ways. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. 
In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get back to the show. And so what are some of the things that you teach your audiences, not just of teens, I know you speak with everybody, but one of your primary audiences is younger people. And we got a lot of guys listening to the show who, of all ages, but I know we've got younger guys who are just not chiming in and some that do. How can guys get ahead of their game and get ahead of their time? Because I, I hear a lot, I get emails from guys who are like, I know I'm only 19 or I know I'm only 17, but I've been applying this and I got this job and I'm getting into university because of this. I think that's great and I don't want to stop serving that audience. What are some of the sort of top mindsets that you got coming from such a difficult place and such a difficult background that helped you get ahead? Because you're, by any measurement system, I should say, obviously ahead of the game for somebody who's our age, you're the same age as me, we're doing similar things. You're not your average 33-year-old guy, right. and there's a reason for that, and it has to do with the way that your mind works and interprets events. It's a great question. To me, one of the big ones is you've got to constantly have mentors in your life. And some of these mentors can be people virtually, you know, by, you know, being in their programs or reading their books or listening to a podcast like this. But also, I believe each one of us needs at least one mentor who we can meet with face to face on a consistent basis. You know, that particular mentor, it's important to have that mentor because I'm finding a subtle, interesting thing happening because of the the wonderful situation today is there's just a flux of awesome books and podcasts and online programs and all of these things where you can get sort of the absolute best person in the world to teach you about a particular thing. I mean, very similar to the work that you do. Someone can learn specifically from you, even though they don't live in your hometown. So that's a great thing. However, if you check that off, if you you know have two or three of those people in your life and you check that off as, well, my sort of mentorship thing is done, I would argue that you're being a coward because 
unlike a book or a podcast, I don't know you. I don't know the unique challenges, situations, excuses, and those sorts of things that you're doing. So I can't look you in the eye and lovingly call you on your crap when you inevitably fall short of the things that you claim you want to do. And so I think that is such a crucial element. And so maybe this local mentor doesn't have the skill set or the resume that you wish to achieve, but they could hold you accountable to the programs that you're in and what you're learning and the action steps you're supposed to be taking because of that podcast you listen to, of because of that coaching program you're in, because of that book that you read or whatever. There is a draw for us to only have that mentorship with people that don't know us so they can't call us out. But I think all of us need someone in our life who has the authority and the ability to call us out. That's ultimately what the game is about, is not not enormous steps of growth and not enormous steps towards our goal, but each and every day waking up and taking those baby steps, taking that next step, that next step, that next step. And that just requires a lot of consistent encouragement, accountability, and feedback as to what's going well and what isn't. Absolutely. Yeah, and mentors really are the only place to get that, whether or not they're your parents or not. An interesting thing, too, is, you know, some young men will say to me, well, like, you know, I can't find, like, the mentor who has it all. You know, I want to be, I want to be really successful in my business, but I also, uh, you know, want to eventually get married and be a good husband, or I want to, all these sorts of areas. So they think they have to find sort of this super mentor that has mastered, you know, the seven or eight areas of life. I don't know. I'm just making up a number there. But sort of, you know, these core areas of life that, that really, really matter to being a balanced man. But to me, my personal philosophy is that I sort of break up the certain areas of importance to me in my own personal life. As we're talking about this right now on April 25th, I literally have four different mentors in my life. Two of them are virtual. Two of them live near me. And they each mentor, encourage, smack me around when needed about a different area of my life that's really, really important to me. And I choose those mentors based on the areas in which they excel. Excellent. So you don't just have to have the one hero. You can have a bunch and learn from a wide range of people. And I think that's important because everybody's like, I need a mentor. Let's see who's famous and rich and brilliant and good looking and smooth. And everybody wants their mentor to be like James Bond or something. Right. And sometimes the mentor is that guy, but for other things, it's not. And this was certainly something that I struggled with is I thought, man, I'm not trying to get cheesy here, but because of the way that I grew up, I'm married now to me being a good husband, a good father, having a good legacy, sort of erasing all the crap of my own family background and trying to become the the patriarch and try to like turn that thing around is really, 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 really important to me. Being a good father and husband is, I mean, no BS. Now, it's also super hard because I also have this other side of me. I have extraordinary business ambition. I have a lot of things that I want to do, not only for income, but for impact. I have a lot of ambition. And just as passionate as I am about that family side, 
I'm also equally passionate about the business side. And so I struggle with that because I'm like, dude, I can't find someone who's like in their 30s, who's insanely successful, but also like a really good dad or husband and kind of holds it down on that side. Now, if you just want to find the, the young and the rich, that's easy in athletics and, and Hollywood and these sorts of things. And if you just want to find an amazing father, you go and find that person, but they have no business acumen. And so I was thinking I had to find that guy who had both of those things. But it's just not the case. I mean, you know, if one half of my priority is to learn how to be an amazing father and husband, I need to go find a guy who who has done that. And, you know, the guy who's this mentor for me, he's been a school principal for 20 years. So he doesn't have a career that I would say, oh, that's what I want to do. Or if, if I drop what he does for a living at a party, people aren't going to be impressed by what he does. But what's impressive to me is that he has grown children who respect him. He, have, he has grown children who are not perfect but are healthy. And that's what I want to learn from is how do you do that side and then I'll go learn from someone else the business side, and then I'll have mentors who hold me accountable to somehow try to freaking figure out how to manage both of those two and do both of those somewhat well. Wow. that Yeah, that's a, a handful, especially for a young mind to sort of wrap their head around, I would think. But it's so crucial. And I think guys who find mentors or role models in general, as hard as that is in today's world especially, those guys get ahead so much faster. Yes, and I really love this topic. So a couple other things I want to throw down about this before we move on or who knows where we go. But another huge mistake of many that I made was when I would look people up online when I was trying to get you know started in this business of you know now I'm, I'm speaking and writing books and I've done TV programs and all these sorts of things. I would find these people that I would really look up to. Like for me, big role models would be folks like Jamie Oliver, Dave Ramsey, Tony Hawk, people who have sort of started as kind of a one-man brand but then scaled that in both impact and income to something sort of bigger and greater than just their name or face. I would make the mistake of sort of nerding out on where they were today and sort of the successes that they've had. And although this was sort of interesting and fun to consume and I found the more that I could kind of see what they were up to and the numbers and the things they were doing and this and that, it became very, very addictive. It also secretly and subtly became very deflating because I'm trying to compare my first chapter to one of their latter chapters perhaps, you know, way towards the end of their book. And I found that to be very, very discouraging. But I found when I would certainly prop them up as heroes or mentors, but then go back and instead of studying what they're doing today, try to go back and as much as I could and as much was available, try to study those early years. Because that's where I'm at in this stage of the game is what were their first moves? What were their big mistakes early on? What were they doing before they were someone whose name you recognized, whose influence and impact you recognized? What were those things that were happening? And I found that to be not only more helpful practically, but also 
emotionally, I found it to be sort of a better on-ramp to me because those early years were chocked full of stuff that looked a lot more familiar to me, which was failure, doubt, uncertainty, insecurity, all of these sorts of things. So I think it's important with our mentors, with our role models, that we don't just study the end result, but we study those first steps towards the end result. Right. We study the process and not just the results. Exactly. I think that's massive and that's huge. And again, I feel like because we have so much access, so we think to these people and what they're up to today, that we can become addicted to that. And then we unfortunately compare even if we don't try to, we compare and then we get discouraged and we think I should be further along and this and that. But ultimately, all that matters is are you intentionally taking steps forward? That's what matters. Again, not being awesome once a year, but waking up each and every day and making some sort of forward progress towards these things that you claim are important to you. Definitely agree with that. That sort of goes in line with the baby steps thing that we were talking about before recording as well. Instead of thinking about, all right, I need this training and accountability around my goal because I want to make, I want to make $20,000 a month in fully passive income so I can sail around the world. And I'm like, okay, one does not exist. But two, what's your training around that goal? Oh, I'm buying up all these internet marketing products. And I'm thinking, congratulations on swallowing the crazy, like fake red pill that all these guys are selling you. But they're not getting training around the steps. They think they are because they're purchasing steps towards the result, but they're not, it's all a farce. So we can always fall into that no matter what the goal is. Even if the goal is get in shape, people are like, all right, I need a trainer who's going to get me to to six pack. And that's not necessarily encouraging because after 18 months, you might not really be there. Yes. I mean, if you own your own business as a marketer, it is common practice and best practice that ultimately you're kind of selling the dream and you're selling the result. But ultimately, from a consumer standpoint, what you're buying is the hard work before the end result. You know, it's like you're not, you can't make a transaction for six packs. Maybe some sort of plastic surgery, I don't (laughs) know. But outside of that, you cannot make a transaction, no matter how much money you would be willing to invest. For six packs, ultimately what you're buying is a trainer who's going to want to get you up early and eight months, nine months worth of hard work watching what you eat, these sorts of things, and then, boom, you have said six-packs or that you know, 20 grand a month in passive income. Is that possible for a certain sort of person? Absolutely. Is it possible in the next 24 months? Probably not. But are you willing to do what it takes over the next 24 months to get to that end result that you so desire? And if you can look hard and honestly genuinely, honestly, at what it's going to take to get there. You've got to be willing to buy that. Not only the end result, but you got to say, okay, I want to buy the end result, but I'm also willing to buy the hard work that that end result is going to require. I think that is so huge. And, you know, something that has really served me is that sort of thinking around my goals is, you know, sort of thinking about, you know, number one, defining what the exact goal is and being really, really specific about it. And so, I mean, let's say, you know, that 20 grand a month in passive income. Okay, so very well, if that is my exact goal, really, really defining exactly what that is. But then most importantly, 
that in the alphabet is, is step Z. So now you have A to Y to figure out. And that's why everyone wants a 20 grand a month, but very few people have it. They're not willing to define A to Y, and they're not willing to go through A to Y, and they're not willing to struggle through the inevitable, I don't care how smart or talented you are, challenges and difficulties that A to Y will present you. Exactly. It's the kid who pretended not to understand why the link was broken because he hit right. one little speed bump and went, wah, this doesn't fit my maybe millennial slash exactly. concept of how easy this should be, so I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, and I love that story about him too, Jordan, because like you said, like this guy's in a mastermind with me. It's not that he's lazy. It's not that he's stupid. Like The dude is clearly a sharp, smart guy. It's such an easy habit to fall into. And so you've got to really break that enormous goal, that 20 grand a month into those baby steps and define what is that A to Y? What are those 10 steps or 20 steps or 30 steps that I am going to have to struggle through and earn my way to getting to sort of that promised land? And then this is a real subtle but important thing around this topic is that the mistake that I see most people make, and I've made it myself, is that we tend to invest in training and accountability around our end goal. Instead, I always suggest people invest in training and accountability around their next baby step. I think that's brilliant, right? Instead of getting training around the goal, get training around the next hurdle because otherwise you might hit a hurdle and then you go, oh, man, this is too hard. Exactly. And, then, and you turn around. But if you can master each step in the process, not only can you get over the hurdles, but if you hit them again, you're already a pro. Exactly. So, again, we're working off this hypothetical of, you know, 20 grand a month or whatever. Right. Early on, it's, you know, step A is not, I got to set up my gateway processor. I got to figure out how I'm going to take money from people that are so excited to give me money because right. I saw that thing on the internet with a bunch of red lines circled and right. how I'm going to make all this money and blah, blah, blah. You know, step A is probably, you know, figuring out what sort of product or service do I have within me that's just right there? And who would that ideal client be? That might be step A. And so instead of going and investing in training accountability around 20 grand a month, passive income, blah, 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 I would suggest go invest in training and accountability around how do I figure out what is a product or service within me with some sort of area of expertise that I already have that I could seek to improve and how do I begin to define what my ideal client is? So go find that guy. Go find that person who can help you do that. Go find that product or program and accountability who can help you do that. And then struggle and wait and have your ups and downs through that for the next 30, 60, 90 days. And now, congratulations, you're not at step Z, but now you're at step B. And then you can get training and accountability around that is truly those baby steps that matter because then that's how you're going to build a sustainable, legitimate, whatever, business, health, family, whatever is important to you instead of something that's just sort of this shiny dream that goes away. Definitely agree with that. I think that's hugely important. And I wish I'd known that 10 years ago as well, or 20 for that matter. 
I can see why your audience of teenagers is enormous and adults for that matter. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, let's get back to the good stuff. Now, what about, last but not least, right, haters? And I, I hate the word haters because it's so dumb. I feel like people who wear those shirts that say I love haters are just like really <laughs> gross and have no Yo haters. Yo, no? Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. They're the people who are like, you don't have haters. You just have people that think you're a douchebag because you kind of are. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people that are maybe not haters per se, but we all have our critics, and sometimes it's totally unfounded. In fact, I sent out an email that was like, hey, I've got this new book out uh, from the Art of Charm team. It's pretty good. You guys should get it. And I got emails that were like, screw you. You know, everyone's not rolling around in money like you, you prick. You know, get me <laughs> off your email list, you spammer. And it's like, you signed up for this yesterday. I see where you clicked, but whatever. Right. You know, it's just so insane. And I'll get people who are like, I'm going to buy your program and just to spit in your face. You, you know, and I'm like, I'm that thinking sounds good to me. I'm Great. like, cool. When do we see you here? Um, you know, do you want to pay by check or credit card? But I know that if I'm going through that, there's a kid out there who's being bullied by his own family or friends because a lot of people will try to, especially when it comes to social skills and, and things that we teach at the Art of Charm, there's a lot of people thinking, well, all right, I went through this awesome transformation. Why are my friends being mean to me now? I don't mm. get it. Or how come I come out with a product for my business and now people are saying that I'm a ripoff artist. What's the deal? And it can really take a toll on you because I consider myself a pretty tough person. I've been a very public internet personality for seven and a half years and, you know, satellite radio and stuff, having callers be like, you suck, you know, things like that, just really awful things, having people write in and, and just write tirades for paragraphs about how awful I am and whatnot. And it sometimes can get to you. You can Absolutely. have that. You can wake up with 30 negative emails in your inbox, and it doesn't matter if there's 200 positive ones in your inbox. You look at those and you go, why do these people not like me? Or why are these people so angry with me? Or, you know, especially the ones that threaten violence. You're just thinking, ugh, why am I doing this again? That happens at every level of one's success journey. 
maybe today you and I are waking up with 30 negative or hateful comments, but they still sting just as much as, you know, back when our reach was, you know, not as wide and it was that one hateful or negative comment. And it's so frustratingly fascinating to me. You know, I've had kids hand me suicide notes and say something you said, like, I want to live like I don't I don't need this note here. Take it, burn it for me or something. I can't remember their names. I can't remember exactly what they said. I can't remember all the positive comments. But, dude, I kid you not. And I'm ashamed to say this. Those negative comments, those negative book reviews, those negative emails, I can almost quote you those word for word. And I think that's just such a frustrating thing about us as humans is that we tend to focus on the things that don't matter, the people that aren't invested, don't care. They're dealing with their own issues. They're just they're flailing about in their own life because they're frustrated or because they're hurt or because they're jealous or because they're whatever. And it's not about us. They're just flailing about and we happen to be there. It so stings and it so hurts and it's so hard. I'll tell you a story. I had a, I had a show that aired on um, Lifetime and A&E called Teen Trouble where it sort of documented this work that I've done for many years with teens who are extremely at risk. I'm talking kids that have been heroin addicts since they're 14, really sort of dark and serious stuff. And I would work with them for several weeks and then follow up programs for years in order to try to help them turn their life around. Um, whether they succeeded or failed is not on me, but help them try to get their stuff together. So part of this program is obviously that, you know, I can't work with someone for a couple of weeks and then that's going to boom, cure them of their heroin addiction or something. Someone needs serious, long-term, mental professional help to do that. So many of these kids needed to be sent to rehab. And so we would, thanks to the power of television, get these rehabs and such paid for for these kids since we would mention it on air and they would sort of get exposure. And these rehabs would sometimes cost like a hundred grand or whatever. Oh my God, that's insane. But we're like, hey, cool, we're doing something good. The interesting thing is when the show began to air, unbeknownst to me, there's sort of a community of people who have been genuinely taken advantage of or raped or beaten or like some really dark, terrible stuff at rehabs. You know, this, this place that they're supposed to trust and, you know, something genuinely, honestly terrible happened to them there. And because of this, some of these people have sort of written off all rehabs and see, you know, if you're going to send someone to a rehab, you're basically sending them to the pit of hell where they're going to be abused intentionally. And so they saw me as essentially someone intentionally abusing children, which anyone who knows me, that's like <laughs> the last thing I would want to do and the last thing that I'm about. So there became just emails, hacking my website, protesting the network, petitions, change.org petition. You can go look at it and all of these sorts of things, but then eventually became genuine and legitimate death threats to me and my family. 
Oh my gosh, talk about escalation of the ridiculous. To the point of I I had a FBI agent assigned to me and my family. Um and dude, when that spiraled and happened and it escalated quickly like sort of within a week, it was a very very dark place for me, man. It made me want to live small and retreat and just quit because isn't the whole point of why I'm trying to make a difference is not only to help, but also to be able to provide and help and be there for my family. Dude, it was crippling. It was, it was just terrible for me. As you can tell, I can't even really process it and articulate it. Right. Even now it was just so dark, so awful, 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 dude. I was just in a really dark place for many weeks over it. And then my wife sort of said to me, you know, well, you know, you've been stuck in the past and what do you normally do when you're stuck? I said, well, you know, I try to find or call up someone who's been through something similar and ask them, dude, how did you, like, what do I do? What am I not seeing? Again, going back to it, what is my blind spot? What am I not seeing here? Again, no one's unique. As terrible and I would not wish death threats on anyone, but I'm not the only one who's ever gone through this. So someone in my circle or someone who could put me in touch with someone must have gone through similar things. I, I need to find that guy. I need to find that lady and see what's going on. So I found that person, a gentleman who has a very large, significant platform. If I said his name, you would know him, but that's not the point of this story. So I call him up and I say, man, here's what's going on. And it's it's just crippling me. Like I'm normally pretty confident and kind of have my stuff together to a certain degree, but like I, I just feel frozen. I, I, I feel like I can't move. I feel like I can't breathe. This is just terrible. And he gave me two things, and one is sort of the emotional, softy, psychological side of it, and then the other side of it was super, super practical. And the first thing that he said to me that, again, since it's since it rhymes, it's almost kind of like cheesy, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it really stuck with me. He said, these people aren't hating, they're hurting. Right. Even though I was still pissed off and felt wronged and like a victim to these people, when I could try to take a step back, and I'm not saying it's easy, but when I could try to take a step back and say, you know, these people that are lashing out, these folks, and I don't even know them, but they're genuinely, they must be hurting about something. And you'll see this in your own life. You know, you try to go and make a positive change in your career or your personal life, your health or whatever. And someone who you think has your best interest at heart and someone you think you trust and someone you think has your back will lash out at you, will hate on you. And it's ultimately because they are hurting themselves. They wish that they had the courage to take the steps that you're taking. They, you know, genuinely had an experience of being hurt at a rehab. So they understandably have a, you know, get triggered around the idea of people going to rehabs. Although it's obvious just because one, you know, place is bad doesn't mean all of them are. So that was sort of the psychological side of it. And, and it was hard to do. I mean, it's hard to say, man, someone who's wronged me, I need to have compassion for them. But if you can somehow muster yourself towards thinking they must be hurting, you know, this isn't about me. Don't 
don't let your ego get into this. This isn't about me. It's not about me. This is, this is about them, something going on in their life. Um, that can help. And then practically, and this was so helpful to me, he said, as your, as your reach and your influence increases, you have to do something counterintuitive. He said, you have to intentionally dial down your outside feedback loop while all at the same time intentionally dialing up your inner circle feedback loop. Oh, I see. So like translation, stop listening a ton to the outside perspective and start listening a lot more to people who actually are close and know you. Yes, but I'm nerdy too. So uh, like I'm kind of two parts like softy, like emotional, psychological dude, but also like super practical nerd. So, so yes, it is that, but it's all, it also goes practically a step further than that. So what that meant for me in my own life is I was no longer allowed to check my own email. I was no longer allowed to access the websites anetv.com, lifetimetv.com, change.org. I was not allowed to access these places, meaning I installed a uh, software on my computer that blocked these places that I was perseverating over and checking refresh every five minutes throughout the day to see if someone else was saying something mean or terrible or 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 awful or whatever. So I was intentionally removing myself from that, intentionally putting a boundary around that. Because it's not like these people are knocking on my door, thank God, and saying, hey, I hate you, you're terrible. It's that I'm choosing to go and listen to them. I'm choosing to seek them out. I'm choosing, you know, that bound. They can say whatever they want. Anyone can say whatever they want about you. But you can also choose to have an intentional boundary in place. So that was the other side of it. And then the other side of it was I have a a group of about eight to ten dudes who mean the world to me. And we've been friends for many years. And many of these guys are pretty successful professionally themselves. And and we get together often and hang out and talk about the good and the bad. And so it also meant intentionally dialing up the feedback from them. Because when you have an inner circle, often what happens is you don't you don't go to them for the positive feedback because you get it elsewhere. And maybe you go to them for the you know constructive criticism because you really trust them. But but this guy's suggestion was you need to now only rely on those eight to ten dudes for whether or not the efforts you're taking are going well and the stuff you're doing is going well and whether or not the things you're doing are um, not going well. Because here's the fact of the matter for me, for you, Jordan, for anyone listening. uh, Some random person on Amazon doesn't know your motives, doesn't know if you're trying to sell something just to get, get rich versus genuinely help someone and add value. But there's someone in your life who genuinely knows you, who knows your your struggles, your your ploys. They know when you're off base. They know when you're not doing things for the right reason. You know, his advice was go to them for both that positive feedback and that constructive criticism. Because if anyone has the right, the authority, and could accurately give you that, it's those people. And stop seeking it from these outside sources. Because the truth is, you're never as good as the positive feedback and you're never as bad as the negative feedback. Yeah, that's a good point. 
if you read your own press, you've you've got a skewed view of yourself, whether or not it's because you think you're so amazing or because you think you're such a dip. And both of those, dude, are so freaking addictive. And neither one of those camps, neither one of those camps, the emails of, you changed my life. No, you changed your life. And the camps of, I hate you, you're sending kids to rehab, you should die. Neither one of those are right. And so you've got to really have intentionally people in your life who can say, hey, yeah, well done, or mm, it feels like your motive is a little bit off here. It feels like you're getting a little distracted and you're focusing too much on making money instead of making a difference. Or, hey, I feel like you're giving away too much of your time and not focusing enough on the business side because, hey, Josh, remember, you say that being a good dad and husband is important to you, so you got to make sure that you're investing your time wisely in things that get a return on that time. So look for that intentional feedback amongst those people, and you're going to have to ask them to do it because, interestingly, the more we know someone, the less we tend to compliment them and the less we tend to tell them the great things about them because we just know them. They're just our friend or our, you know, our, our boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or what have you. Right. And it's like, I can do that anytime. And, or they know yeah. that already from me. I don't have exactly. to tell them. Right. Exactly. So that is a practice that I still have in my life. It has made such a genuine difference because then you are not vulnerable to the psychotic ups and downs of constantly believing the positive or the negative. It seems like that would drive you nuts. I mean, there's no real, it, it would have to drive you nuts. It does, it does. And, and my whole philosophy on success is, I played baseball in high school and college, is, is hitting singles. It's not about constantly hitting the grand slam, the home run. But to me, the game that I play, man, is I want to get up every single day and hit a single. And if you're constantly buying into that stuff, you know, oh, I'm awesome and the best person on the planet, you're going to overswing and you're going to strike out trying to hit a grand slam all the time. Or, oh, I'm terrible and I suck and I'm doing things for the wrong reasons and people hate me and blah, blah, blah. You're going to hesitate. You're going to be timid. You're going to be fearful. And you're not going to do well there either. And so to me, it's just, a, again, about that consistently, about constantly hitting those singles. And, uh, you know, I feel like when you're not at risk to that constant up or down that you can consistently do that. Excellent. Thanks so much, Josh. Is there anything you want to leave us with? I would leave you with this. This is one of my, one of my favorite sayings, and it really sort of encapsulates my philosophy about life in general, is that wishful thinking is not a strategy, meaning that for any of us, we all have kind of that thing right now in our mind that we want to do, that we want to improve, that we want to accomplish. And we must have both the optimistic, positive thinking side of us, but we also must have a very specific strategy in place. And I find most people who fail, fail because they have too much of one or the other. They're all positive thinking and they're all overdosed on the secret. And if I just believe it, it's going to happen and it's going to happen. And blah, <laughs> right, blah, blah. right. I'm focusing on it. And what, I, what you focus on grows. I'm envisioning, right. And visualizing. Yeah, all that stuff. Yes, that's good. And you damn sure better have a strategy in place about how you're going to wake up each and every day, make different choices, intentional choices, go out there and work smart to make it happen. So I think both are equally important. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Jordan, my pleasure, man. 
All right, show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Boot camp details for our live programs also at theartofcharm.com, and that's where you're going to find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media as well. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss a thing. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's really it. And you guys can help us. Subscribe in iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Write something nice and we will love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash The Art of Charm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us up in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily to get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing products and training from us. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it.